Evandro Nunes on the a podcast today. I'm so excited to have this conversation with him. Evandro is somebody I met a few years ago at one of the ICPs and has been a fascinating character that I've always uh, enjoyed spending time with. So sit down, take a listen, and enjoy what we have to talk about. <laughs> Life is great, Robbie. Yeah. That's the truth. But yeah, a lot of things happening outside, and you know, I you're respect staying, the you're staying the safe. Chaos it did. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just social distancing and respecting what the, the the people are saying about you know just reducing the spread of the disease. Yeah, and but but you know, doing that with very much with, with peace and not with fear, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's been great, bro. Yeah, I think if you understand How is it over there. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, if you understand that, that it's about just minimizing the spread, and if you treat it with that level of respect, like you said, and like you teach, because I have to teach my daughters about it, so that you can't, you can't be fearful, because if you, if you act fearful about it, then they're just going to panic, and because and, they have a very low understanding, but they're yeah. seeing it more as just like a thing that we have to do, and, I, and so I think I'm, I'm portraying it the right way to them to make them understand that it is just about like respect other people. Like respect your grandparents because they're the ones that could get sick. So that's why we're doing this. So we don't make you know grandma and granddad sick in this situation and little things like that. Um, and you know, like they've got friends in the street and it's like, we'll have a play date, but from, you know, across our driveways towards each other. And, you know, so we get to be physically distanced, but not socially distanced from people. And so we're trying to help them maintain that. that yeah. How are they handling? Um, you know what, man, like it's, it's been surprisingly very positive um, because it's been, you know, almost a month now. We took our daughters um, out of school a little bit early than, than the government recommended just because we kind of saw it coming. We closed the academy uh, uh, earlier than the government recommended just because we, I, I don't think the, un, the government understands what jiu-jitsu is. So they don't understand how close right. contact it all is. So we mm-hmm. just felt like it was, it was our responsibility to close a little bit earlier with the knowledge we had of the of the virus and so forth from having been in the US and starting to travel and seeing it all kind of go down. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we just closed a little bit earlier, but you know, like my youngest one, she's four and it's, and it's very tricky for her to be locked in the house. She's very physical. She likes to be outdoors. She likes to, we, we call it going on adventures and we have a, like a big bushland across the, the road from our house. And she likes to go and, you know, get you know, muddy and climb the trees and look for different you know, things. <laughs> And so for her to, to not get to do it as frequently, like that's very different for her and not to get to kinder and socialize with all the different kids. So, but she's handling it really well. My six-year-old, she's been phenomenal. Like she's, the homeschooling is going well, but she's also helping me teach all the online classes for Bullyproof um, and Black Belt Club. Got it. And she's normally very shy and very reserved in class. Like she likes doing jujitsu, but she doesn't always like getting up in front of people. And so we're building, and she's okay. just jumped on it and she's like teaching all the classes and she's like excited. Like what? Really? Are yeah. It's like, she's just stepped up to the bar and she saved those classes. Like, I, I don't think we'd be. Wow. That's so cool. I know, man. It's crazy. It's like, you just learn these things about people and people learn things about themselves. Like she's getting all this feedback from the parents. Like you were amazing today. Like you did, you did that technique so well. And she's like, dad, I didn't even know I could do that technique before class started. Wow. That's so cool. Because the secret that I'm doing with her is I don't even tell her what we're teaching that day. So she asked me, what, we're, what are we doing today? I was like, we'll find out when we start playing jujitsu. 
Like, who knows what's going to happen? Like, I've got all the class lessons planned out and everything, but I don't need to tell her. Because if I tell her, it's not going to be organic. It's not going to be like her fun in that I see. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's been That's really good. Cool. But we're learning so much about ourselves as a family unit. And we're become, like, I think everybody's a lot stronger together because we've been around each other so mm-hmm. much and just having to, you know, spend time with each other and learn to respect when people are fatiguing and so forth and know when to take a break and come back in. And we, we're learning things that keep people motivated and so forth. So it's, it's been really positive for us. I see. That's pretty yeah. good, man. That's amazing. And I can see how, like, because your daughter is getting more confidence on teaching, maybe when the people start coming back in, maybe she's going to just kind of transfer what she did in private to a camera to the class, yeah. right? That's yeah. the natural progression. It's pretty cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. So for yourself, man, like where, where are you like uh, staying at the moment? Bro, I have an Airbnb right here in Hermosa Beach. Yeah. And I'm just locked down right here. Yeah. Eating, writing, <laughs> singing, playing yeah. my video games. Just what you, you know, play? doing the. I'm happy here in Hannah with the with the webinars. I know. I, every time I log around. on, I shout out to you. I'm like, hey, Evandro. <laughs> I see. I read them all. I just don't answer because you deviate from the from the focus. But I see them all. Um, what are you playing? What 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 game are you playing? Bro, I play everything, right? Uh-huh. But right now, I'm playing Crash Bandicoot. Have you heard about it? Yeah, man. I love Crash Bandicoot. When it, when it first they did, just did the new the new remake right they remake yeah, now because we played like twenty one. years ago there yeah. we go that's the one I'm playing yeah don't worry man I'm playing Spider Man at the moment so I, I just got that last oh week. my god that's very good yeah, oh I, bro that's crazy good I finished too it's amazing oh. I get I get to the academy at like five a.m. like I practice like as if I was still teaching the morning classes so I get here and I hop on the uh-huh. airline like the, the thing I'm playing PlayStation uh-huh. as I'm riding the bike <laughs> and I play that's how I'm trying to stay sane for the morning it's just like yeah. yes that's amazing brother <laughs> yeah the yeah, game is very good for the mind you know it's just you've got to do something man it's like yeah, I'm so used to being so active all the time like teaching you know like nine hours a day and being in, interacting with people and it's that's not there anymore so, and I've been doing that since I was like I see. 15, 16 years old, you know, with like teaching karate and all that kind of stuff. I used to do the morning classes. So that's just been my way for the last 17 years. So I don't know any I other see. way. So this is very different for me. <laughs> yes. That's, that's interesting. Let me just turn this off. Right? Every time I say I see, yeah. Siri thinks I'm talking to her. So she says, <laughs> yes. <laughs> We, we met a couple of years ago and I remember it was, it was the funniest thing because we met at the ICP and um, mm-hmm. I remember you were sitting on the wall with all the candidates and uh, everybody's like, man, who's that guy who looks like Henna and Huron, walks like Henna and Huron, talks like Henna and Huron, but he's not a Gracie. Is he like their cousin? <laughs> is he the, and everybody's like these little whispers about like who this guy is and you just walk on and you're very confident, you know, and you come in and you're interacting with everybody and that you so you did you come over from brazil originally or where where were you i came from brazil yes yeah. i lived 23 years in brazil yeah and then when i was 23 years old i came to america and i am 29 now yeah so i'm staying all these years here in america and and what at what age did you start jiu-jitsu brother i started i was like 14 okay 
And and what got yeah, you started? Was... Bro, there was um it's almost like this. There was so many street fights happening in Brazil. Yeah. That I was part of. Yeah. That I was like, man, I have to learn something. <laughs> you know, because the way it happens, bro, it's like this. My dad, he always taught me like to stand up for what is right, yeah. to defend those that need, to defend women, to protect mm -hmm. anyone, man, man or woman, whoever needs help. You understand? Just kind of to be having integrity and honesty. And then I was doing that. But Brazil, maybe not only Brazil, but humans, they 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 lie and they deceive and they abuse, right? It's a very it's a it's a trade that people do. Some some humans do that and some some other humans do the opposite, which is to defend, to protect, to be honest. Yeah. So um I was surrounded about a lot of opportunities to defend other people and to defend myself because people are bullying me or just all over. Yeah. So then bro, I would stand up for what was right, but then I would get into fights. Yeah. And then I would lose 50% of them and I yeah. would win 50% of them. Yeah. So then I was like, man, I remember the day, Robbie. Um, there was the incident happening on the street right there. And then, you know, a little talking here and there. And then a little offense happened where I said, man, you know what? Here's, this is time I'm going to fight this guy. And then I started looking at him. And we started like you know, kind of yelling at each other, just talking to each other, you know, just kind of talking trash. Yeah. And then this guy had butt my nose, right? Dang. So like, boom, he did a big head butt on me right here. Yeah. And then I kind of fell back, Robbie, and I punched him with my whole power. Mm. All my, I did a little runny and I, boom, punched his face. He was like maybe a head taller than me. Yeah. And I was 14 back then. Yeah. And bro, he did like this, Robbie. He's like this. He took the punch, he looked at me, and he started walking towards me. <laughs> but that day, I, and then I just started kind of running back, like, man, yeah. what happened, right? I just kind of, this, he should fall down and, and, and have a seizure or something, because yeah. I just punched him, right? Yeah. But it did not happen. And then I remember after that day, you know, I kind of broke my nose inside. Yeah. And, and then I was like, man, I have to learn how to fight, because... Just going into fights, even though I have the values to defend myself and others, yeah. I don't have the skills to fight. Mm. Therefore, you know, I'm kind of, you know, randomly winning and entering myself in, into uh, scuffles and it's not, it's not being, it's not, it's not intelligent. I'm going to yeah. learn something, you know. Oh, actually, you know what, Robbie? I didn't even say I'm going to learn how to fight because I didn't know that there was something out there. I said, I'm going to become stronger. I'm going to go to the gym and lift weights. Yeah. And then on the first day of lifting weights, I didn't even go to lifting weights because while I was waiting for my friend to go to the bathroom, he yeah. said, bro, both of us walked into the gym for the first day of lifting weights. He said, I'm going to go to the restaurant. I said, okay. He went and I was waiting outside. There was an MMA class. Back in the days, it was Vali Tudo, right? Yeah, All the yeah. martial arts mixed. So there was a Vali Tudo class watching, uh, happening and I was watching. And then the coach, bro, looked at me and said, hey, how are you? He started talking to me. <laughs> said, you want to try today? I'm like, no, 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 no. I just, you know, like, very shy. It's like, no, try. Very cool guy. He like scars on his face. I <laughs> I often said that he looked like guy from Street Fighter, you know, like very <laughs> yeah. strong guy. But yeah. he was like Brazilian color, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like strong and like like just a tough guy. Was so gentle and kind. Yeah. And and then once my friend came out from the restroom, Robbie, I said, bro, I'm not gonna lift weights today. <laughs> we were planning to lift weights for like a month to take yeah. the courage to go to the gym, right? 
But then on that day, I changed my mind and I did my first Vale Tudo class. Yeah. And then, bro, you know, I learned a little bit of Jiu-Jitsu. And then after maybe three months or four months of Vale Tudo, I said, there's no reason why be doing anything standing up right now. Because yeah. the ground is so easy and so natural and so powerful. Like, we you know, like we learned the Americana and we learned the arm triangle. Those are the two yeah. moves, first moves I learned. And I'm like, wow, what's happening here? Yeah. This is so strong. I want to learn more of this. So then I got a gi. I saved a little money. I bought a gi and then boom. And then from there on, just jujitsu with a gi. And, and that's basically how it started. So, when, so just street fights and learn how to defend myself. When you started at 14 years old, right? How was your parents' reception to you starting jujitsu? Good question, bro. They, they were supportive to the sense that they were paying the gym membership, right? Yeah. And my, my dad was always a very, you know, um, very intelligent to the sense that he always told me like this, Evandro, you want to play video games? You want to do whatever you want to do, you can do it. But first you have to do a sport. Whatever sport it is, can be basketball, can be soccer, can be whatever. Just be in, you know, in tune with the sport. So I, my whole life I was doing sports, right? Yeah. So much that I played basketball before jiu-jitsu. So like from nine years old to like 14 years old, I was yeah. playing basketball. So then I quit basketball to go for martial arts. Yeah. And then it's almost, you know what happened, Robbie? It almost was undercover to my parents because we had an agreement that I would do a sport. Then yeah. I said, Dad, I quit basketball and I'm doing uh, jiu-jitsu now. He's yeah. like, okay, whatever. You know, kind of doesn't know what it is. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, he's doing his thing. You know, and they're, they're working a lot, so they're doing their thing as well. Yeah. So it's not like they were watching me and going there to support me in that manner. They were like, you know, supportive to the best that they could. Yeah. But it was very much under the radar. So much that once I became a blue belt, Robbie, <laughs> it was a surprise. Like, because a blue belt, Robbie, they don't know how good they are. You understand? Yeah, yeah blue belt compared to someone that doesn't know anything like you're like you're like a monster you look a little kimura a little americana a little rear takedown my man you're like you're sad like you're good yeah. and then when i was like 14 or 15 with a blue belt on my waist i could move my body and i could do things and i think something changing within me that my parents kind of was happening like where's this confidence uh -huh. coming from yeah. where does you know i'm saying like where's this maturity coming from and of course with the age i was in but in the jiu-jitsu, so very supportive, but but distant, yeah. right? You know, just working a lot and making it happen, building a life for me and my brother, yeah. and, and just putting food on the table, basically. Yeah. So you have a brother as well? I do have a brother four years older than me. Ah, does he train? No. No. <laughs> have, have he you doesn't, tried? bro. Um... I don't think that the jiu-jitsu that I was brought in to is for him or for or for most people, you understand? Yeah. It was so rough, bro, that yeah. my brother, maybe he would watch a class and he would see it and he would like, no, what is happening out there? Yeah. For some reason, I'm part of that 1% or whatever percent it is that I was so committed with defending myself yeah. That doesn't matter. No matter what, I'm going to keep coming back. And I was being tossed and flipped and popped and, and craziness. You know, you know the deal. Yeah, dude. I know. And like, I was I, like, man, I will still come back. Yeah. So, so it was for me, but it was not for my brother. And if it was today, the way we teach at GU, <laughs> oh my gosh, he would be in. You know what I'm saying? He would be in. But it's crazy, in. right? Like, I, I wish like, I introduced my brother when he was like 18 years old. And, um, it uh it was the exact thing you're talking about that experience of like 
and the coach yelling at him and um, him being put in all these positions and, that, and he quit in six months. You know, my wife quit. Yeah, I see. My wife, she was my girlfriend. Like, she quit in six months, right? And um, it's been it. so hard to pull her back into it. And yeah, yeah my, but my, it's traumatic. It's crazy. <laughs> and my little brother's like, no, nah, man, this is, this is not for me, right? But if, if he saw how it was now, like it would, it, I reckon the same thing, they'd be into it. But because they had that experience, it, it's so hard to undo that from somebody's mindset about that's jujitsu. Like that's what you associate it with. Um, yes, I, I, yes. Yeah, we lost so many good practitioners to just the, the way it was done. Bro, look what happened. <laughs> My mom came to America yeah. maybe two years ago. I was already teaching all the programs at Grace University yeah. and just kind of feeling home and everything was amazing already. I was established, let's say. And then she watched a woman empowered class that I was teaching yeah. with Victoria. And she was excited. She was a little emotional. And she was like, man, this is so amazing. And then when I went out on the mat, uh, after the class, I was talking to her. She pulled me out and she said, Evandro, this looks so fun. <laughs> Why? Why? You never took me to jiu-jitsu before. Mm. And I was like, mom. <laughs> the way that I was training in Brazil, it was not like this. That's why I never took it to Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like, she, because it's so decent for her, she didn't understand it. She sees yeah. now what we do with Women Empowered. She's, she's so amazing for her. And my mom's like, she's 58. Yeah. And she wants to do it. She's excited about it. Isn't that crazy? Nice. While, you know, the, the old style or the whatever, you know, other people, the, the way that other people train, it's not for my mom for sure. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's crazy. My first ever women empowered student was my mum. So interesting. We started the the street safe program because it's women empowered. Fifteen techniques yes. for street safety. So we had the street safe program, right? Um, before, yes. Henry told me about about your your <laughs> undercover running of the program. <laughs> so so I, I had my mum in class as my women empowered student for almost a year. Every Sunday okay. at eleven a.m. For a year, okay. The women in power class, just her. No, no other women turned up. Advertising it, going through a year. Then her sister That's joined, so cool. right? Then her sister okay. had two students in, and then we're going through and we're just plodding along. And then I did my, our first ever seminar, and so you know, then I got, got into it. But my mum was was around the same age. She was about fifty five when um I started wow. the women in power class, and she was my first student for you know the first like eighteen months. Just her, her and her sister. And now we've got like mm -hmm. you know, 60 women in a class and it's crazy, yes. right? It's like, it's like, but I mean, like wow, that's so cool. I, I think like if it wasn't my mom in there for that one lesson every, every Sunday, like, I might have given up on that class because it was so hard to get I people see. into it. I see. To start with that, right? But because it was her, I was like, no, I want to keep going. I want to put a little bit more, make sure we get there. You know, and she's having fun and she's learning it. And she's like, you know, yes. Because of the way that's presented. But it was just like, yeah, it, it was worth the effort to keep it going. But man, yeah, if it would have gone the other way, we would have taught her how, how we came up. Yeah, I, I said yeah we like, already I'm, know how the other way is, you know, so. Yeah. It's, I, I said, it's just my, no retention, no, no care or consideration for the students. And they see it. And yeah. we, can, we can look at them and, and tough them up. Or we can just, you know, take their time and slowly yeah. and speak their language. It's very empathic, the way we teach. So that's why I being say, part of Grace yeah, University is so amazing. The way I came up in martial arts was we break you down. And if we have time, we build you back up, right? Whereas like the way we do it is we build you up 
and then we keep building you up. And so it's so much more <laughs> yes. empowering to feel that way. It's yes, like, it is amazing, brother. Yeah, and that's so the thing, good. like jujitsu is meant to be empowering. It's meant to be this thing that, that gives you this confidence. And most people are introduced to it by like, I'm going to show you jujitsu works. So I'm going to, I'm going to teach you this lesson. And then, you know, yeah. I don't actually show you the solution. I just show you that it works and I show you the problem and the solutions will come if you stick around. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a helpful approach. Yeah. It's a exclusive approach. It's not a, yeah. open arms approach it's yeah. exclusive for certain people and mm. you know we, we want to speak to, to everyone everyone deserves the, the beauty and the gift of jiu-jitsu mm. so when you came across to gu so you've gone through that experience and did, were you competing as well in jiu-jitsu at the time yes so um i started training every day yeah and then the first week already uh first second week of training i was already competing Oh, straight into it. already threw me in a, yeah, just go fight someone. And then I'm like, okay. And then I, you know, start actually doing well. Mm. And, and I just, just competing was part of training. That's basically how it was for me, right? Yeah. And then, and then I got my brown belt. And then, Robbie, I remember people um, watching videos of the world champions back in the days. And there's a lot of people, you know, amazing jiu-jitsu. But I always remembered watching the videos of the, 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 you know, the, the final of the black belts. And I was always like, man, I think I can do that. Yeah. I'm not too surprised about it. I'm not too, um, how do I say, too, like in awe. Like, you yeah. know, I'm not like, oh, they're so good. I'm like, I look at them like, oh, that's, that's, I, I think I can do it. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not telling anyone because I'm not about telling people what I can do. I said, man, I want to do it. Very yeah. much like I want to, I want to go there and I want to touch those people. I want to see if, how it is. Yeah. So, um, I met a guy, um, my, my instructor back in the days in Brazil. He introduced me to a friend of his. His name is Renato, and amazing guy. And he just like um, he had academy here in America. So I came. He helped me come to America to compete the worlds. Yeah. And then with the guidance of that. Uh, of the man of Renato, I competed in my first world tournament as a brown belt. Yeah, and and I got third. I got yeah. the bronze medal, and I was I was stoked about it. Right, I was like, yeah. man, this is great. Like no special training, no diet, no yeah. uh, plan, no curriculum, no nothing, Robbie. I'm talking about this. I wake up, eat a little sausage because <laughs> I have no nutrition idea of nothing, and I just go fighting. Yeah, and then you know, just throw up right after because that's what I did in every turn of my life because I have no idea on nutrition. I would just yeah. always throw up before and after, so just kind of randomness. And then I'm like, oh, I got third. Now I'm gonna keep doing this, and I kept competing a little bit more. Yeah, and and I always had this this vision of Metamoris, right? Metamoris back yeah. in the days yeah. was the stage. Oh man, we. I don't think people pay Halleck enough um credit for like really pushing the no gi um po no point submission only which is so big nowadays right you're like chael Sonnen, yes. submission underground and you've got like all the, the the adcc so blown up huge and everything people are so excited about it but like really it was meta morris that put all that stuff on the map that really got people's attention i agree 100 percent. the vision halleck had a vision yeah and 
maybe the way that he dealt with the business aspect of it, people didn't kind of like it. That's why maybe they don't give them much credit. But whatever the reason is, I don't really care. What I care is that his vision was flawless and he delivered. He created some fights. He changed the, the little paradigm of competition. Yeah. And he gave us gifts of like Andre Galvão fighting Hiron. Yeah. Like we, we could watch a fight like that of two, you know, forces collapse of different styles of jiu-jitsu. We saw Roger and Buchecha. It's just like, yeah. just some fights that are epic and historical. And, and I was always like growing up and watching it. And I was like stoked about it. So I always told myself, I'm going to fight Metamoris one day. Yeah. Right. That was my, my thing. I'm going to stand up on that stage and I'm going to fight Metamoris. Yeah. And then, bro, there's an interesting story about, about that that we, we, we can go if you, if you feel like it. But then I got to fight Metamoris. Yeah. And then guess who I met on the warm up area? <laughs> Hero and Heather. <laughs> That's how I connect with them. You understand? Yeah. Because I fought the same Metamoris that Hero was fighting Josh Barnett. Ah. Okay. So while we were in the meta- on the warm up area, and yes. it's so funny how things happen because because it's like this. Just so you know, that there's um. Let's assume that there's 10 fights set up for the night. Yeah. They have two warm-up areas separated. Yeah. So, so I, they separate who I'm going to fight with me. You understand? Yeah. So we don't warm up on the same warm-up areas. We warm up in different warm-up areas. Yeah. So then, for example, Hidon was warm up over here, and Josh yeah. Barnett was warming up on the other one. Yeah. And then the other guy was here, and his opponent over there. So I got. Yeah, just by chance, as, you're as on a, here on the side. Just by chance, I was there, and I thought, yeah. oh, look at that, you don't have her. And then I just watched them warm up, and then, you know, just kind of whatever happened. And then I fought, it was, it was amazing. It was a draw, actually. Yeah. But, you know, good defensive, good good skills. And then um, and then after the fight, I, start, I was talking to him, and I was like, man, just full of gratitude, you know, yeah. because. Um, just amazing jiu-jitsu, amazing vibe, amazing integrity. You can see how he ports, he, how he cares himself. It's very different than most people that you know. So just out of gratitude, just kind of shaking his hand. And I said, my man, if one day I could ever train with you, I would love that. And then kind as he don't always is and very humane, he said, man, grab my phone number. We train, you know, next week. He gave me his phone number. One week later, we were training in Beverly Hills. One month later, he invited me to teach Grace at Grace University. It's yeah. very much like we connected, you know, on a, on a personal level, on a jiu-jitsu yeah. level, and on a business level. Everything just lined up so perfectly yeah. that um, I was able to make that happen. It's funny because in the beginning of this talk, you said how I walk and talk like them, and no doubt that I have influence yeah. on how, you know, they teach and how they speak and how they behave, of course. But it's funny because when my mom sees Hero and Hannah, yeah. She doesn't say that I look like them. She says that they look like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You understand? <laughs> so the funny thing is that um, it's almost like we were alike yeah. even before we've met, which is that's what is interesting. You understand? It's almost like we share some similar values that we like click. And then, of course, with that, I influenced them. They influenced me. Yeah. But the connection was just perfect. I, yeah. I don't think just, you guys. Like, I think the word is serendipitous, right? Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't think you guys could be as close as you are without you naturally already being, you know, like that to begin with. Like, it wasn't like... Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, like how some people try and, you can see it, they try and imitate them. You know, when they they come to to try and meet them and they try and like, they try and do their like, uh, 
the little like act, the act of of being like a Gracie and so forth. Where you weren't like yeah. that, you were very natural like that, and that's why everybody was like, "Is he a cousin? Is he like?" Because it was just it was so natural. <laughs> like it just, and you can see that you bond so well with those guys. Um, you know, like I yeah. watched, I watched you a while ago filming some stuff for GST, and uh, you, you were just like kind of hanging with them, filming with Henry and Huron, and it was just. It, it was like when the two brothers are chatting with each other and they just bounce off each other and they know when to pause and let the other person breathe a little bit and have their chance to speak. And you were doing that as well. And I was like, man, he's so dialed in. Like you could just tell you guys, your friendship is so tight with them. It's so cool to see like how see. that they found somebody outside of the two brothers that meshed with them as well. Because I think they sometimes need an external voice, somebody who hasn't been mm-hmm. part of what they are because they've been like this since 18, mm-hmm. 17, 18 years old running the academy, to have like an outside mm-hmm. voice coming in and just giving an extra perspective, you see sometimes it catches them what you say and makes them think a little bit differently about just mm-hmm. the way that they bounce off each other. It's really cool. What's, nice. what's crazy cool. about your Metamorris story is, man, I didn't even realize that you competed at Metamorris at that event. Dude, I paid for that event. I paid the $20 US. Watch that event. <laughs> <laughs> I watched you compete all those years ago as well. I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't even realize. That's so cool, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't watch me compete. That's so I great. still got that entire card on file because like I recorded the event as I was watching it. So oh, I, really? I want to go so back cool. and watch you later on and be like, ah, oh, man. Bro, do that, bro, it's same in the video because I don't have the footage, you know, because uh, it disappeared on the web. Yeah. I want to see that footage. I don't have the footage. I would love to see it. I'll send it to you, man. It's so cool. It's so funny, bro, because uh, Hannah is the one narrating, right? Yeah. yeah. And Hannah's calling me Leandro. The whole fight is <laughs> calling me by the wrong name. He's like, Leandro this, Leandro that, Leandro defensive, Leandro boom. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Once I watched it, I was like, that's all under. It's so cool. It was amazing, bro. Amazing experience and it's beautiful. In in that event, did they still have the drums playing while you're competing? Yes. It was, that there, was yes. That it was, was so nice. cool, man. I want that in the academy. Just every time I walk in, dum 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 dum. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very my, good feeling, bro. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do is roll to the Black Panther soundtrack, the score. To Black Panther because it's all dum, Got it. dum, dum, dum. especially like the waterfall Got fight. It. It's so much fun. It just reminds me of Metamorris every time we, we kind of play it in the background. I see. Yeah, that's pretty cool, bro. Yeah. Um, so dude, you you uh once you kind of came into the academy, like you were teaching, but yes. now you do a lot of the GST and you travel around America like doing GST. How did that happen? Like like it was just such a a natural kind of thing that you fell into or, or what was the opportunity to work with law enforcement? Good question, Robbie. It was basically like this. Uh, once I, once I did my ICP and I learned SPF yeah. and he don't offer me to teach at the Academy. I was so hyped. I was so eager that yeah. I'm like, man, I'm, I want to learn it. I want to learn how to teach because I was a good fighter yeah. but, and I was a, a good teacher. Yeah. But but I was teaching randomly, no formal, no nothing, no curriculum, just kind of craziness. But even though my energy was good, I was a bad teacher. That's the truth. Yeah. I had my heart in a good place, but the classes were random. And then yeah. I was devoted to learning, to hanging out, and to learning jujitsu from Hiro, you know, uh, mainly because we trained more together, yeah. like physical jujitsu. 
and and then I was devoted, man. And then I was learning, learning all the programs. I started Bullyproof. Yeah. Just learning how to teach kids and, you know, spend a lot of time teaching kids and then teaching combatives. And then there's a natural progression, teaching Master Cycle. Yeah. And then it's almost like this. They, they were slowly trusting me yeah. with different programs. Yeah. It's almost like when I, quote, unquote, graduated from Bullyproof, I go to Junior Grapplers. And then combatives and then master cycles, a very natural progression. Yeah. Because once I'm familiar with bullyproof, I can teach bullyproof without thinking about it. Therefore, yeah. I can devote mind power to learn junior grapplers. And yeah. I can devote mind power to learn combatives and then master cycle. And then that was basically, you know, the first accomplished uh, territory there. And I was doing it full of love and my heart was in the right place and I'm just flying, right? Yeah. And then um, I was always eager for more opportunities and Hiro and Henner, they reading my energy, reading my teaching style and just the, maybe the, 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 the energy that goes through me. I don't know how to describe that, but then they decided to trust me with woman empowered, which is a special program that we carry in within us. And then they said, you want to assist women empowered classes. Yeah. I think people don't understand how protective they are of the women empowered program. Yeah, it is. It is the program. It's the most, I don't want to say the most sensitive crowd because that would be inaccurate. It mm. is a special program because, because women show up so, and, and they, they open themselves for, for martial arts. Yeah. And they, they become so vulnerable that it, it requires a certain place of integrity to just to, you know, to, to be empathetic with, yeah. the, with, with the, the vulnerability of the person. And, that, and I'm talking about women in power right now. But that's go to all programs. It could be yeah. a combat, adult, male in combatants, could be a child, four years old. It's, it requires a lot of vulnerability to step into the mat yeah. and requires a special trait to treat those people. And then at this moment, we were talking about women empowered. So yeah, they're very protective. And then one day they gave me a little opportunity to assist. And I took that and I just gave my best. And yeah. I'm a strong, I have a strong understanding that once you show up and you give yourself fully, nothing can go wrong. Yeah. And that's what, what's kind of what was happening, you know, just kind of learning and listening a lot and then doing and then just kind of slowly, boom, I, I was able to assist them with that program as well. Yeah. And then GST until then was only taught by Hiro and Hanner. Yeah. Right. Uh, there were some other instructors that they would do the three first days and then Hiro would go to the, Hiro and Hanner would go to the two last days, which is the SPF teaching that we do, that they protect that very, um, um, dear to their heart yeah and then i started doing the three first days i always i i think i came to all icps since 2013 when i came to america and yeah. all gsts you understand yeah. i show up so much robbie i yeah. think that's the secret number one right there just show up just <laughs> yeah. be there yeah even if i'm hurt i just show up and i sit on the benches you understand like I just show up yeah I, and I, then i, I was just kind of a lot of people don't value that right they're like if you're training yeah. um and if you're wanting to progress like just being physically present you don't have to be physically action like to, to make it happen, but just being present, like mentally present and absorbing information is so yeah. important to progression. Oh my gosh. It's, it's yeah. I want to say it's, it's a bigger part on my jujitsu journey is to do this yeah. and just watch. Yeah. That is more important than for me to go there and do the move. You understand? Yeah. So it's, it's very valuable. So I'll just show up, man. And I would make it happen. And then what happened was, I was just showing up and then I hit on Henry. They trusted me with the GST and they yeah. said, go do this. And they gave me some guidelines 
and I wrote some other guidelines and my man, I ran with it and he landed. The feedback yeah. was amazing. And I was the first known Gracie to mm. be trusted with this program. You understand? Yeah. Until then it was only his dad, uh, their dad, Hiro and Hanner. And yeah. it was just, just, I think that the word that sums it up is gratitude for the opportunity. You understand? Yeah. They saw something within me. They, they saw, they saw it, they trusted and I took it. Yeah. And you know, I give all the gratitude back towards them and I'm able that I, I'm happy that I'm able to perform on a quality standard that they, they, they deserve, that the program deserves. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, I did my first GST with you earlier this year and it was amazing. Like I, I, I was saying um, to, to Alan the other day, like I had an experience, like I went to a competition school in LA, I had the Gracie Academy and I had GST. And I'd sum up my, my three experiences were like this. At the competition school, nobody wanted you to really get the technique down. Um, if you didn't get it, it was just too bad for you. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's just, that's what the atmosphere was like. In headquarters, okay. every, every class was uh, about like, if I ever needed this technique, I want it to be right. So I'm going to help you get it right. But GST was about when I need this technique, I want to make sure it's rock solid. And so the camaraderie, because mm -hmm. everybody's like, when I need to use it, because they know they're going to need to use these techniques at some point in their day-to-day -day life on the, on the beat. Yes. The camaraderie and the collaboration was so different. But what was really the part that led that was you guys, like you at the front being so... Um, having such a high desire to want to collaborate with the law enforcement officers and yeah. not just be like, I'm talking at you. This is the technique. Like you're not talking to you to yeah. you're sharing jutsu and taking on their ideas. And that level of collaboration, I think makes them feel so comfortable, but also just grows mm. all the information being shared in that room. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. That is the energy that we, we, we lead the, the class because um, let me ask you this, Robbie. Yeah. If not leading with humility and openness, what is the alternative? Yeah, a a leadership. Yeah, like it's almost yeah. It's it's there's no alternative. Yeah, let's put it that way, right? There is there is some alternative that we can mention, but there's there's no other way. How can I walk into your house and say, yeah, listen to me because mm. I know better? How can I invite someone in my house and, and treat them like that? You see? Yeah. So it's I often say that I don't even teach class for law enforcement mm. i teach classes for human beings that happen to be law enforcement mm. so when we speak we speak to the human like we're equal i'm not better than you i'm not better than anyone yeah in the human level now i have more jiu-jitsu skills i have i'm a better fighter but you're a better cop you understand mm. like so i don't even want to go to the intricacies or who is better and when no let's talk to the human on it yeah. and then i speak jiu-jitsu on the human level and because they see that and they feel the quality that I feel in my heart that we are, then they open themselves and then they can learn from us. We can learn from them. And then go to like, like I, like I said before, it's every class, right? You go to the kids' classes, you look to the child and you don't say, yeah, I'm 30 years old. I have more knowledge than you. You should listen to me. No, like you're a four-year-old little monster. Yeah. And I love you. And you're the same as me. Yeah. Like we're, like we're equal. You understand? And they feel that, and then they can trust the one that trust them. That's yeah. basically what it is. It's it's so true, right? Because I I think kids are the biggest test of character, 
right? Like if a kid doesn't like somebody or doesn't mesh well with somebody, you're like, oh, why? How, how does a kid not like you, man? Like they're so innocent. Um, and it is that. It's that yeah, kind of they like, have a, yeah. Yeah, if you're not genuine, then they're going to read it very quickly. Right? And so like the best yes. teachers connect with kids easy because they're just they're who they are. And like kids will like feel yes. it, go with it and move on from there. Like you can't hide from a kid. It's, you cannot, bro. They are, they're in tune with their intuition and their, their energy read. They're good, man. I love it. I love you, right? It's, it's so funny. Like sometimes I have like the, because I love teaching kids. I've always loved teaching kids. And like my background is in developmental psychology. And that's why I do educational psychology. And I, I work in primary schools and I work with children on the autism spectrum. And that's kind of like my day job. Like I do that just for, because I'm very interested in it. And I've maintained that for about 12 years now. And I've always just been mm-hmm. very comfortable working with the kids um and then working with the families i remember very early in the piece um i asked the question like how do you do psychology with a family if you don't have a family yourself and the person mm. my, my supervisor at the time was like well you just tell them the what the theory is and that they need to put that in practice and i was like that's great mm. but don't families come with their own experiences that you need to learn about so that you understand how the family operates so you can put in place the, the, the right mm-hmm. intervention to fit that family. And she was like, mm-hmm. no, no, you just tell them the theory and then they need to implement it. And I was like, okay. Mm. And then I never did that. I always went in and I like learned about the family, <laughs> like connected on the human level, like you said, right? And then took on the yes. information and then said, well, this is how I'd handle it. But, you know, what are you finding when you implement it? And then we keep evaluating it every week from there. And then she's like, mm-hmm. she, she got very upset with how much feedback she was getting about how good my sessions were, that she ended up disconnecting our relationship because she was like, I, I don't like how, how the families are giving so much positive feedback about your sessions in such an early stage. But it wasn't about wow. the intervention. It was about the connection. Right? It was about like the comfortable connecting. You know? And then that like, connection allows people to grow. But if, I felt like if you just talk at people, like tell them this is how it should be, there's no way they're going to respect what you have to say. And I could never imagine walking to a room full of police officers, having never arrested anybody in my life, and be like, this is how you should arrest somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not the way, my man. That's very, very in tune. Man, you have such an uh, a interesting way about looking at people and talking about people, you know, and I, and I find it so uh, amazing how much time you put into thinking about the way you connect with people and the way that people connect with each other. And is, have, you, have you studied um, at all or is it just something you're very naturally curious about? When you say, let me see if I understood your question. If I studied human connections and human relationships, is that what yeah, you, is like, that question? Yeah. Like, have you, have you gone through like university and studied um, anything around, you know, like psychology or philosophy or anything like that? Or is it just something you're very naturally interested in? Um, great question, Robbie. And when you say study, what do you mean with study? Like just kind of learning from someone? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Got it. So if the deficient of study is learning from someone, then the answer is no, I did not study. Yeah. Right. Because I did not, I, I went, I went to college, 
Yeah. And my, as a coincidence or not, my first uh, choice was psychology. So I yeah. did like, you know, maybe four or five months of it. And then I quit because it was not for me. Yeah. And I did like other two or three that I quit as well. Yeah. But um, Robbie, you, you are educated on the psychology and you studied through you know, the, the a certain curriculum and books and learning from people and from yourself, of course. Yeah. And that, that, that's kind of studying that people will seek the knowledge with. I think that the thing that happens with me and with everyone else, but I'm just talking about me right now, yeah. is that I'm I am studying human beings every second of my life. Yeah. And that could be through observing other human beings interacting. It could be through observing myself interact with other people. Mm. It could be observing myself interacting with myself. Mm. So the field of opportunities to study human behavior is the fabric of life. Mm. Everything that we see, everything that exists is or will be built based on a human interaction in some level, mm. right? Even if it is done by yourself, which that kind of doesn't exist, nothing by yourself, given that you were put in the planet Earth through a relationship with someone, However, that relationship was, if it was a loving one, if it was an abrupt one, there's always relationship. Relationship is the fabric of existence, right? Yeah. And then, but but even though, even though when you do it by yourself, you do you have a relationship with you. It's like, how do you look at you? Do you look at you positively, negatively? Are you inspired? Maybe the negativity that you have within you is inspiration. Maybe the negativity they're having within you is oppressing and depressing. You see, maybe the happiness. Some people get happy and they get guilt that they're happy. Yeah. So, and this is all happening, happening in within. So I am, since a young age, I don't know when, I realized that I am alive. And yeah. with that, I'm just kind of, I'm just <laughs> watching Robbie. And that gives me, you know, the ability to interact with the environment, therefore with people around me in a way that is perceptive. I think yeah. that the, the word is per perception. I was able to perceive, to realize how it behaves, and to give myself on the most authentic, honest way that I find in within myself. Mm. And then that works very well, Robbie. <laughs> yes. And it's, uh, something I find myself doing a lot is just reflecting on interactions. Um, and it wasn't yeah. something that I was taught. And that's very much something that's just my natural curiosity. Um, and I had a very strong outlet for it as a kid. I started working in my father's restaurants at about 10 years old. And my dad was mm -hmm. very much about monitor the room, monitor people's interactions, watch every table mm -hmm. and the way that they're interacting. Mm -hmm. Is the husband and wife in conflict? And do you need to go in mm -hmm. and save their evening? Is like, do you need to go wow. and have a look? Yeah, it's like, do you need to go have a look? Is that family dynamic uh, in a place where it's very positive and you can go in I and see. make a connection with them so that they want to come back yeah. to the restaurant later on? Um, do you, like, uh, you know, yeah. 
it's just all these things. And so I, at 10 years old, I was just sitting back and just trying to read the room. Who needs more water? Who needs someone to just come and chat to them right now? Is there a flatness in their interaction that you need to come in and get them reconnected in again from there? I and my, see. Yeah, my father was That's very much cool. about that. He just wanted to connect with people because he understood mm -hmm. The, the restaurant wasn't a food business. It's a people business that you happen to communicate through food. And so I you see. make those relationships with people. But if you get it wrong, then you can have people not have the desire to want to come back. Mm. And so from my natural curiosity paired with his desire for me to be Got it. with people. Beautiful. Yeah, made yeah. it happen. And so I think about that all the time. There's, like, I'll be watching a movie or listening to a song or listening to, to the way I interact with somebody and I reflect on it and I'll talk it back to somebody and they'll, they'll, be, mm. they'll be like, why, why did you even think about that? Like, why are you even you know, like thinking about that when you could be thinking about this? And I was like, because it fascinates me that that, that, that yeah, one that's a good word. Yeah. And I'm purely just curious about it. And I find you to be very much this, the same. And I love the way you explained like this. There was a point where you just realized you know, like I'm alive and I'm connecting with people and like these connections are meaningful. And I, I just don't think people put enough time reflecting on that, like the meaning of like how powerful connections are um, and what outcome they can have for you if you make them as positive um, as they can be. I agree, Robin. And what, yeah. You know what I think it is? I don't think that people realize how powerful they are themselves. Yeah, yeah. Because you're saying that relationships are powerful and connections are powerful. And I agree. I agree 100%. But the powerful thing is the self. Yeah. I have the power in within me, Robbie, mm -hmm. to cause pain with my words or actions. Yeah. I have the power in within me to inspire someone, yeah. to bring love, to bring forgiveness. Mm. To bring curiosity, creativity, all of those things are human traits yeah. that for some reason, humans were led to believe that that's unimportant and what is important is something material or something that you accomplish with a degree or something that you accomplish, a car that you buy or a title or a status mm. that you have. And I find those things to be hollow when the whole, the virtue of life we already have yeah but it's almost like if what was sold in society was that you are already enough and all the pure unvaluable virtues of a human being and whatever is important in life you already have in within you born in within you which are those traits that we just mentioned mm. that is not profitable yeah. Then people would not buy stuff to feel better. People <laughs> would not feel a certain urge to improve and to get better. Yeah. You understand? Which doesn't move their own self-interest. Yeah. You see? So it's it's I I see that if if you can look at someone and that's what we kind of do with jujitsu, right? Yeah. We empower the being behind the the eyes. Mm. We look at the kid and say, my man or my 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 son or my daughter. Yeah you have the power within you to defend yourself. Yeah. And if everyone ever says this different, they are wrong. Mm. So that you can talk to them, you can look at their eyes and point at them and say, you're wrong. If yeah. that's not enough, you can fight them. Yeah. Because we, we allow people to defend that in, with, that in which is the important thing to have, which is your values and virtues. Yeah. And then we do that with grown-ups. People come to combatives or women empowered, 
or GST or whatever it is, and we look at it and say, hey, your boss does not, you do not deserve for your boss to be talking to you like that. The mm. boss is a title, and the yeah. title has no power over human interactions. Yeah. And then that person starts being confident, and then confident. And then, of course, they get confident through knowing that if everything goes wrong, if they set a boundary, it's about setting uh, backup, right? Yeah. Because the reason why people don't set boundaries as kids or grown-ups is that, is that if I say like this, Robbie, don't talk to me like that. I just set a boundary. Boom. Yeah. My ability to set a boundary is only delivered if I know what you do if you step over. Yeah. Because if I say, Robbie, don't do this, and then you step over, I say, okay, Robbie, don't do that again, okay? And then you step over, say, no, don't do that. And then it becomes that endless, you know, meaningless talk. Yeah. Now, if I say like this, Robbie, don't do that. And I look at you and I know that if you do it, something's going to happen. Yeah. It's almost that energy, that confidence that I have to back up my own boundary that I just set allows me to set a boundary. And the funny thing is, is that once you set the boundary, knowing that you're willing to die for that boundary, you understand? Yeah. There's some things that you just say, say, man, if you do that, nothing matters in my life. I'm going to do something about it. You understand? Yeah. Once you reach a point of you know what is worth defending, yeah. then whatever, whatever is the case, if you know how to fight or if you don't know how to fight, it doesn't really matter because yeah. you're willing to die for that in which you believe. Now, yeah. how amazing it would be if you can defend your self and what is valued to you without hurting the other person, yeah. without harming them, and without dying, and without hurting yourself, because you don't want that. I don't want to set a boundary only when it's life-threatening. Life yeah. I want to set boundaries when it's safe. I say, hey, my man, don't do that. And when they, they cross the boundary, I don't fight them. I just talk to them a little more gentle, and a little yeah. more precise, and a little more assertive. And if there's something happened, I clinch. And when I clinch, I don't want to take him down and break his back on the floor. I just gently take him down. I hold him down. Say, my man, something's escalating right here. You see, yeah. and if they're biting, I do a little shoulder. So it's almost being empowered through gentleness yeah. and empathy instead of empowering through, okay, if you touch me, I'm going to fight you. You see? Kinda. Yeah. And the story, so I kind of lost the, the trail of where we're going. But, no, but know. I really like the way that you were talking about the idea of you know, like setting a boundary with the willingness to die because there's so many different deaths you can have. Like everybody thinks about just the physical yeah. death, but you can have an ethical death. Yes. You can have an emotional death. Yes. You can have a, you know, so yes. like, when I'm in that situation and I set a boundary, it doesn't mean I want to fight you physically. It might be that I'm just willing yeah. to hold my ground. And if I don't, if I let you cross that boundary, I might die an emotional death in that moment. And that emotionality is to myself. I'm like, you go home and you're like, man, I can't believe I let that person talk to me like that. I can't believe I didn't stand yes. up to myself today. Yes, which goes back to the, the, the thing that I started saying, which is then people believe that they're not powerful. Yeah. They forget that they are powerful. Yeah. If you truly believe into something, every word matters. Mm. Every second matters. Yeah. The way that you say goodbye to someone, the way that you say hi to someone, yeah. You matter. It's basically that's what it is. Yeah. People forgot that they matter and that they are powerful. One of the funniest things that I see people do is especially men have a difficulty saying goodbye to each other. It's like they, <laughs> they don't know how to how to just end the interaction. Right? Because because I see. yeah, there's this moment where it's like, I don't I want to say bye, but how do I do it? And like, like, I started just turning around to like, like my friends, turn around and be like, "I love you, man. I'll see you later on." And they're like, uh -huh. 
what did you just do? How dare you, how dare you make that sentence? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I get it, bro. I get it. But it's like, yeah. you know, I really enjoyed our interaction. And I'd say the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I do. I'd say the same thing to my kids. I'd say the same thing to my wives. So why wouldn't I say it to a close friend? I was like, man, thank you so much. I love this interaction. And man, I can't wait till we hang out again. And it leaves people oh, feeling uncomfortable. I love it. Because they don't know how to respond now. They don't know how to say, I had fun too. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yes. I look forward to the next time. And it's crazy, right? But I always say to people when I'm yeah. teaching Jiu-Jitsu, I say, like, you're powerful. You're more powerful than you realize. You're more capable than mm -hmm. you think you are. And, and you just summed it all up for me. It's like people just don't realize at all how powerful they are with every fiber yeah. of their being. Because it's true, man. If I talk to my daughter, yeah. I hold so much power. And that, like, if I, don't, if I don't think before I open my mouth, that sentence could be so damaging um, to her in that moment. And I not even realize it because I don't consider the weight that my words have to her. And it's the same thing with the student. You know, you might haphazardly say something and then not realize, like, that holds so much weight to that person. Um, yeah. And it's just not considering the, the value you have. And you don't have to be boss or leader or president or prime minister to, to have weight behind what you carry. You just have to have yeah. an interaction. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I just haven't thought about it in that kind of terms before. You know, like, like how much? Because, you know, like a work colleague can say one sentence that plants a seed in their colleague's head that makes them realize like, why aren't I being valued as the way that I think I should be? And then that that creates action, right? And it's like, you want that, you want yeah. that, you want that, it's action, reaction, action, reaction, everything, action, reaction to go through. So somebody says something, they've actioned something, and then the reaction could be indifferent and nothing happens. The reaction could be negative and it sends the person on this spiral or it could be positive and it sends them on this spiral. You just, you don't realize the way you're going to be taken if you don't think and, about it. Yeah. And I think that people that they have an, a very natural fear of being powerful, right? Because if I tell you that you were powerful and then you matter, yeah, then the natural consequences that, Oh my gosh, then I, I have a certain responsibility that I have to protect and to, and to, I, I, have to, I cannot say anything to my daughter that is not right. And they, they almost they get self-conscious about how powerful they are and then they lose their power. Mm. Almost forgetting that the powerful person, they are powerful because they know how to acknowledge their mistakes. Yes. And they're the same willingness that I have to say something to you and to watch what happens. If you get excited and happy, okay, beautiful, let it happen. If you get upset and offended, I might say, hey, you know what? I just realized that what I said right now might have offended you. And I apologize for that. That was not my intention. That was inaccurate of my speaking. Yeah. And at that moment, I reclaim the power. You understand? Mm. And even if that happens two days later, maybe I said something to you. And then we, we finish this call right here. I go, you know, home. I stay home. I'm home actually already. <laughs> and then two days pass by and I'm like, man, I told Robbie something about this and this and this. I wonder how he feels about it mm. because now that I'm thinking down, like, like you said, like you're just analyzing the interaction like you do, man, let me call him. And then I call you back and say, Hey Robbie, 
on the on the talk, I said this and this and this. How do you feel about that? Was that offensive for you? Because yeah. what I'm thinking here, if you interpret this way, it might be this way. And it, two things could happen. Once you know about that, I didn't even think about that. No problem. Or it could be, heaven. That was you know, that was a little something. And then when I read that energy, because I'm 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 courageous enough to say I'm sorry. Yeah. And then I was like, man, I didn't mean that way. And boom, let's let's do another video. Let's let's fix that one. Let's you see. So the resourcefulness of the creativity in within me goes and fixes. That's why I'm unafraid of failing. Yeah. You see, what, because what the, the one that is powerful cannot be afraid of failing because failing is hard. This is a substantial part of everything that we do. It's what we do, right? And what, and what do we see so much in children, right? Is that fear of failure, that perfectionism. I need to be perfect. And so damaging. Yes. It's one of the yes. most damaging things. There's so much anxiety about getting it, it wrong. Yeah. You know what I, bro, you know what I tell people? And I tell kids too. I say like this. When you try something new, do it wrong on purpose <laughs> first. <laughs> Get them like I was in a skate park. <laughs> No, just, just kind of to remove the taboo yeah. of doing it wrong, you understand? For example, yeah. we were in the skate park. I have inline skates, and I do some, some cool stuff, some grinding. And then Henry was in his skateboard, and we were doing And I was afraid of falling, of course. Everyone's yeah. afraid of falling. Yeah. And then I fell down on the floor. I tried to drop in, and I succeeded a few times. But then there was one time I avoided a kid, and I fell down on the floor. And boom, fell with my elbow. I was, I was wearing pads, no problem. Yeah. Once I fell down, I was like, man, I'm okay. <laughs> and then I got up and then everything started being better after yeah. it. And then I fell down again. And then there was one time, bro, that I just rolled on the floor just to be more okay with falling. Yeah. And then I tried a trick and I said, Henner, just roll on the floor, but just fall on purpose. You're yeah. going to realize that it's not as bad as you think. And once you're okay with failing, you're okay with trying. Yeah. You know, so just, just telling, just, just remind yourselves. It's okay if you try your best and you fail. Yeah. And you and you fall and you do it wrong. It's okay because we have what it takes to rebuild. Yeah, man. That's so cool. I just started uh skating again this week. And uh I remember I was like showing my daughter, because my little daughter, my four-year-old, she wants to rollerblade. So she's got her little rollerblades and she's padded up and everything, but she's so nervous. And I was like, look, dad will do it first. And then I had to go through that process of thinking, like, do I do it well? And then she feels like that's how she has to do it. Or do I just purposely fall onto my car and make like a little joke about falling over? And then she's going to laugh about it and realize that falling over is part of it you know, as we go through. So I start going on the roller skate, <laughs> fall into my car and I fall on the grass. And I'm like, oh man, daddy is still getting his balance. He hasn't, you know, rollerbladed in a while. I want to fall over yes. a couple of times. Um, you know, she like giggled and she fell through. But I had to have that thought, right, of like, I gotta fail a little bit on this, um, bro. In a society that is always telling you, succeed, don't fail, be this, be that. Like I'm saying, literally the opposite. I'm saying, yeah. fail, lose, get arm locked, get yeah. choked and tap, tap early. Yeah. You see, ask your partner, hey, do that again, tap me again, and they, they tap you again. I'll, I'll do it again, they tap you again. Lose more. Yeah. But lose conscious. Don't lose with full of guilt, shame. Lose from like man. Losing is, is fantastic. Lose on purpose. Yeah. And then there will be a time they're not going to be able to lose anymore mm. because you just lost so much. You, you know how your foundation of losing so well that you don't fall anymore. You just learn how to stay standing. Yeah. It's almost like an upside down approach to success. Yeah. 
I, I was, um, my daughter was doing like a writing task uh, yesterday and you had to write like 10 new rules. If you were principal of the school, what would 10 new rules be that you put into the school? And uh, she had put like, you know, free time every day. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, the, uh, the canteen open every day, ice cream every Friday. And then she had no uh -huh. mistakes. And I Interesting. said, I know. And I said to her, what do you mean by no mistakes? And she's like, I was like, I'm like, people are allowed to make mistakes. She's like, dad, that's not what I said. I said, no mistakes. Okay. And I said, well, well what, what do you mean? Because I'm, I'm taking mm -hmm. this as, you know, that, that people aren't allowed to make mistakes. And she's like, no, dad. Mm -hmm. I said, the word mistake doesn't exist anymore. She's like, everybody should be proud of the errors that they make. So we don't call them mistakes anymore. We remove the word. And I was like, what? Got it. <laughs> and I was, and I was like, that's, that's awesome. Like, that's a great one. Yeah, like, people should be proud that you just, you know, that's just part of learning. The interesting thing is he has a very high level of perfectionism. She's very anxious about making mistakes. But I saw in that moment her desire was to not give it as much power. So, you know, it, it gave me like a whole new way of thinking about how I'm going to address her perfectionism, which is like, yeah, we just, we just attack that a different way because mistakes are okay. And we just go through and, you know, we, we got this, uh, this book called my beautiful oops. And it's like a uh -huh. book where the writer has gone through and he's like torn the page on purpose. And so the first page is a tear, but you flip it over and he's drawn it into a crocodile. And then you move the ripped page and he's like, Oh, the oops is just something beautiful now. Right. And then the next page, a spill of ink on the page wow. and you turn the page and he's turned the spill into an elephant. And then you open up the spill a little bit more and it's like 17 dogs. And then you open up the spill again. And it's wow. Something. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah. And then they have another version, which is called your beautiful oops. So he's gone and taken all those things, cut the page, put the spill on, but leaves it for you to turn it into something. And so it's like, there's no mistakes. It's like just how you handle the mistake afterwards. Right? Yes. That's self-mastery, bro. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's so interesting because it's all about how you interpret it and how you go, go through about doing it, you know? And um, yep. one thing you said before that was so interesting to me was people don't want to, to realize how powerful they are. You just said that sentence. Yeah. And they're I, afraid of it. There's a fear. There's a, there's a, a fear of accountability. You know, people, you know, yeah. what was the big advertising in like the nineties was live a carefree life. You know, live I a life without anything, you know, like without any responsibility. That's the joy of being like a young adult. And it's like, so what you're saying completely contradicts what was advertised to everybody. Right. It's like, no, actually care about what you do. Care about the interactions you have with people. Ha have a little bit of time where you can go through and, and you know, reflect on what you're doing. That takes some level of accountability and some responsibility and it goes against the grain. But yes, it's 100% accountability. Uh, everything that happens in my life, uh, I'm the one doing it. Mm. What, what are the two... I give the... Yeah, what are the two hardest sentences for people to say, right? And, and I see it from such a young age. I see it with kids. Parents try and force them. You know, give a hug. Give a kiss. Say I love you to grandma or granddad. 
and the kid resists mm -hmm. and the adults become uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? With like, why, why aren't you showing the love right now? Right? And it's, like, it's hard for people to do that. So you see, I love you is the hardest thing to do. The other one is, I'm sorry. Ask a four-year-old to say, I'm sorry. <clears throat> they hold their hands and they put their finger. Yeah. Why? Why? Because adults don't show it. Adults don't say, I'm sorry. Because sorry means I'm being accountable for my actions. I love you means I'm being accountable for my positivity towards you. And because we don't model it, little kids fear doing it because it's such an extreme emotion that we don't know how to yeah. it with other people. You know, we had to lead by example and be okay saying, I'm sorry. Or, you know, I yeah. can't do it in the kids class. I'll be counting like push-ups or sit-ups and I'll go one, yes. two, three, seven. And then, you know, they're like, Robbie, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh man, sometimes I make mistakes. I'm sorry. Can I just start that again? <laughs> and, and, you know, like we go through or, or uh, we'll be holding like a plank and I'll, and I'll go like, one, two, three, four, five, and we hold it for 20 seconds. And I get up to like 19 and I, I don't say the 20. I just hold it for a little bit longer. And you hear, and I'm like, what's the next number? What comes next? And they're like, oh, and I'll be like, guys, I made a mistake. And you guys are all yelling at me for making a mistake, but it's okay to make a mistake. How about somebody encourage me? Or God, just, wow, that's hey, beautiful. The next number is 20. And why don't you just help me out rather than tell me off for making I see. <laughs> and the kids are like, oh, and so then we'll start it again. And like three kids will be like, hey, Robbie, the next number is 20. And they're like, yes, 20. Wow, that's so cool. And we all like celebrate it and we go through. It's just a different approach to, to the way we go about it. It is a different. But yeah. I think modeling is so important. And having yourself taking classes and teaching people and being in front of them, you get an opportunity to model this. And I think mm -hmm. I, have, I have found you so fascinating to be around because you model the way that I would like to present myself as uh, an instructor. And I see. And I, like, I think it's, it's been so, uh, what's the right word? It's just inspired me more to continue with the line of thinking that I've been doing to see the way you do I it. I see. And I feel like, thank you, brother. I feel like I still have to put a lot of effort into my mm. thinking behind my action. And I feel like you do it so naturally. That's just mm. cool to see. That's just, it's part of you. Um, to go through. Mm. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I take that as a compliment. And yeah, you, you think, you, you sit with it, but then you find a, a state of just trust. Mm. And it's almost like this, if I can elaborate on that a little bit. The way that I see it is that we as human beings, we have a certain intuition that we are born with, a certain ability to perceive, to understand, to see colors, to look at someone and say, wow, that person is a little upset, just a little empathetic. It's hard to describe, energetic, read and feel, mm. right? And then we have the, 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 the thinking mind, which is a very business, assertive, precise, intellectual, mathematical way of thinking and dealing with the planet Earth. Both of them are so beautiful, brother. They're so amazing, priceless, and indescribable. Now, what I see that usually happens is that people, they attach to one of the other. So when you meet someone that is very intellectual, they're very much like, 
good dressing and sharp on their words. They don't speak you wrong. They're very, uh, they mention articles, they mention books, the accounts and numbers. And they're just like a sniper. It's beautiful to witness mm. people that are intellectually uh, advanced. Yeah. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we have the poets. We have the, the artists, people that grab ink and just kind of throw into something and just make something, even give me goosebumps talking about it. Just kind of, just something that is, exists there. They stand and cry. You, understand? you feel a certain something towards those individuals. And then the eternal battle in society nowadays is that a businessman wants more assertiveness and the poets wants more poetry. You understand? Yeah. And I find that personally should be a disconnect, an inner conflict of who we are. Yeah. The way that I see myself, I am a businessman and I am a poet. I am both. So what I do is that when I'm interacting with you right now, right now I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing. I'm just kind of, I'm doing, I'm like, I'm half poet right here, more than a half yeah. poet. I'm just kind of saying whatever's coming in my mind. It's not planned. It's not anything. Yeah. Now, right now I stop and I'm like, hey, let me think about what I just said. And I boom, I go to... A certain let's call the businessman right yeah. or even better let's call the the precise thinking mind yeah. and i go tick 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 and i do a little thinking mind and then once i establish that i'm like boom i go back to singing and yelling and talking yeah. so it's almost like allowing us to be in touch with everything that is capable for us not yeah. only the thinking mind not only the poetry i don't want to be a hippie and yeah. you know what i'm saying like just live by the sun. And I don't want to be a millionaire that has no time for my family and friends. Yeah. I want to be both. Yeah. And when I'm working, bro, and when I'm chasing uh, performance and intellectuality, I'm very intellectual. I can talk to you about anything. And even a subject that I don't know, I'm so curious that I'll find precision on it. Mm. And I can hang out with you for three weeks, Robbie, yeah. in the middle of the jungle, eating bananas <laughs> in a hammock and just... <laughs> Doing jiu-jitsu and singing, climbing the tree and falling and doing yeah. skateboarding. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you, once you have a house on the poetry and you have a house on your intellectual mind, you can play and you can navigate and you can talk to people. They don't, even, they, they, they don't even know what's happening because you were very intellectual with them and then they're very free and spiritual. You see, it's that balance that it, it naturally is going to happen and you have it and some people... What I can say is that in America, more people have the intellectual mind than yeah. the spiritual heart. Yeah. And in less, less socially developed countries, like mm -hmm. Brazil, for example, we have a lot of spiritually developed minds with people that are able to see and perceive, but they're not intelligent because they got deprived from information. They don't mm -hmm. have access to schools and maybe internet and books and these amazing books that we have access today or an app that, that does a summary of the book. It's just crazy intellect. Yeah. So it's, bro, it's happening in within ourselves. It's happening in between countries. We mm -hmm. have under, underdeveloped countries full of love and poetry and music. We have higher developed countries like ours right here in America um, disconnected a little bit from the humanity part of it. Like mm -hmm. you say, hey, man, I love you, Robbie. And yeah. people ah, don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> you see it? So, so the, 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 the connection, the allowance, the permission to be both yeah. and to find when and where to mm. be both and to be one or the other. When I'm in, on the GST, I'm like this, I'm precise, but yeah. then I'm also not, you see? So yeah. just kind of, I, I think that that's, that's the, that's the careless that you're, that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Just 
I'm so careful. I'm so intellectual, let's call it. I'm so responsible mm. that I am irresponsible. Yeah. So I kind of play, I blend both. And I and once that happens, or that symbiotic relationship amongst, between intellect and heart, let's call it, happens, then you can be careless. Yeah. Then you can leave that. Man, I don't even care what I'm talking about because I know that it's coming from authenticity. And mm -hmm. if it doesn't, I will realize and say, whoa, what did you just say? I apologize for that. that and then I go bring intellect and then I fix it. And then I sharp it and then I boom, I go back to the field to play. Yeah. Does that make sense for you? Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. I, I love that like, you summarized it perfectly in the idea of it's authenticity. Right? Like, I think that's a great word. Yes. Like you're you're authentic because it's coming from both realms and you know like it's it's truly what you're feeling. Right? Whereas like if you're coming from a business mindset, you might be a little bit more protective. And if you're coming yes, from Yes, the mind cannot be authentic. Yes. You see the mind the mind doesn't have access to uh, to spontaneity the mind has access to other skills which are beautiful too yeah and spontaneity doesn't have access to precision yeah so we have to blend it and mash and not create separation in within us and just be precisely unprecise <laughs> be responsibly irresponsible <laughs> and i could see why that would cause people so much uh like discomfort Right, because you know, like if you haven't played around with it and, and kind of like learnt it, it's like no, no, no. Like you're, it's almost like you're denying your current, you know, presentation. Like if you're the business person, you're saying, and you want to be a little bit carefree, you might almost feel guilty for like seeping into yes. that side of your life. And and the thing is, like your brain wants it. Your brain wants to experience this, and it likes this. Yeah. You have to indulge in it every now and then, otherwise. You just like you're fighting this idea of who you are and what you want to be. Mm. Yeah, and people get trapped there, Robbie. I've seen yeah. it many times. They yeah. get trapped in the mind, or they get trapped on the on the other side. Yeah, which it's okay, as long as it's a choice, it's purposeful. But uh, I find that people that get attached to one of the other, they get resentful and they get ashamed, and they feel guilty because they're denying the other half of themselves whatever side you choose to be it's okay but if you deny the existence of the other now you are in conflict and conflict creates separation we create shame and guilt and fear it's interesting that they say that for like men to have the most feeling of purposefulness and, and success they have to be in service to something you know mm. and and so when you're in service to something it just, it just clicked in my head, like, like why that thought is there. But when you're in service to something, you have precision because you're, you have an objective to reach. Like if you're a doctor or if you're a father or if you're teaching, you have precision that has to be met. But in order to connect with people, you have to have that spontaneity, that poetry kind of mindset to effectively yeah. connect with somebody. And so you yeah. in service and to be successful at being in service to, to people is to have both sides of those mashing very well together. Yeah. And yeah. that's why you have that feeling of purposefulness, success, function, meaningfulness you know, at the moment. Like I, like I was saying, when we the first couple of weeks of this closure of like not being able to run the school, I kind of felt a little depressed, a little bit, mm. not myself. And I was like, 
I, I am missing some of my purposefulness. I'm, I'm not able to be precise and, and have precision in those things. Mm, mm-hmm. so I'm missing my outlet for it. And so I was like finding mm-hmm. a new outlet to, to kind of new ways to shape that in, the, in what we're doing um, until I can find like where my service is to people. Because when I felt like I wasn't able to, to provide any usefulness, I felt like there was part of me that was missing. I see yeah interesting yeah it's very interesting i'm just reflecting myself on you know the the last couple yeah i see it it's been a very uh interesting couple of weeks to be taken so Mm. far out of my comfort zone of my day-to-day life Mm. you know Mm. you mean i've been building my day-to-day life for so long (laughs) (laughs) and then i was taken away Like, like literally for myself like i left my my day job uh, yes, in December to do jujitsu full time, a little bit of consulting yes. and have more family time. And I was like, I was feeling good January, February, March. I was like, oh man, like, it's yeah, yeah. I want to be. And then <laughs> end of March came and it's like taken away. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I got to experience it because I know what I want to work back towards once the world. Yes, that's so cool. Yeah, but it's like, but, but having cool. it taken away, I think was just as powerful as all the years working towards reaching that, that kind of goal because now that it can be taken away. Yes. So value it even more. I like it, bro. It's always a gift. There's only gifts being given to us. Everything is a gift. It's just how you see it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Perception is huge. It's going to be really interesting for people to sit back and listen to this conversation and see what they take away from the ideas. I would love to hear it. I, I can't wait to hear it as well because people have been giving me feedback on all the podcasts. It's been really good for me to kind of, um, first off, hear that people are listening to it, but not just listening yes. to it on a surface level, but because at the moment they're in lockdown, they have more time yes. to give to actually listening and thinking about the topics that are being said. So man, yeah. I'm excited to see what comes of this. Um, and it, it was such a pleasure talking to you about all these different topics. I can't wait until this leads to another conversation because I know it is for us. Bro, my pleasure. I love spending time with you and I appreciate the talk and I love it, my man. I have gratitude in my heart and I love it. Yeah, I, I'm so appreciative that you were willing to give me your time um you know and i just I, I i love that we had the time to talk so i just want to say man i love you man thank you so much <laughs> i love you too robbie <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk again soon man thank you guys i hope you enjoyed that conversation with Evandro Nunes, such an insightful conversation about just the way you perceive your interactions with people and the impact that they can have, as well as his jiu-jitsu journey and how he got started. So I hope you enjoyed that, and I look forward to sharing some more knowledge of jiu-jitsu through these conversations with you.